0: All right, guys. Welcome to Control Alt Tech Plus. This is we are officially in overtime. This is OT. Uh, we just had an episode called "You Downloaded What," and that was just basically talking about some of our favorite security vulnerabilities. So you can check that out in the community page, the Control Alt Tech community page. So we are still here with Jimmy T and Christy Bay. You guys, you ready? Ready, ready. I'm sorry, it sounded like I said duvet. I did say duvet. <laughs> Just let's clear that up. A duvet is something that's a you little put, different. Yeah, it's completely different. Just so, Ted. Yeah, it was a great show. We have a ton of content, so mm-hmm. we wanted to try to get all the questions in. So we figure here we are. We attacked your eyes. Now we're going to attack your ears with our podcasts. Yep. So and we're going to start off with Star who was on, on our inaugural podcast to get things going. So Star Geeker asked, uh, "What file types do you recommend blocking?" Jimmy, Um, we'll
1: start with you. All right. I think the zip is the first one. The the cyber criminals use that first and foremost to get a lot of infections going. Um, I mean, a lot of computers will just open it right off the bat. So I think that's the first one. Um, Definitely EXE because you just don't want anything running from email. Um, I think those are the two big ones. Chris, what do you think?
2: Uh, Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Zip's a big one. Uh, Pretty much any executable, um, you can tie that into com files and batch files as well. And uh, occasionally uh, a reg editor or something will come through. Um.
0: There just doesn't seem like there's any kind of value to be, except nefarious values as far as sending anything that's going to launch out of your email, right?
1: Right. I th- yeah, I think and so there's no reason.
0: I mean, sometimes, I mean, I'm guilty of sending like a printer install link and something mm-hmm. like that. And sometimes I feel like that's not a good idea because we're training users to not click on links. Right. And then we send a link. So, is that you think that's something as far as like launch? It's done s- launching anything from emails, just not the squeeze, ain't worth the juice.
1: I think usually, um, I mean, I'll link to documents on the network. I very rarely link to programs, I'll just usually walk the, the user through it where they need to get it. Okay. Yeah,
2: I'm the same. Same
0: way. All right. So, oh, now I understand what Todd goes through with pronouncing <laughs> some of these names. So, this is Nick Kapaka. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Koka, that's oh yeah, all right. Do you guys limit machine admin rights as a measure to prevent malware, or does it hinder operations? You want to start with that, Chris?
2: Yeah, we uh, we do not. Uh, all of our users are administrators, which is both a blessing and a curse. I agree. Uh, it allows them to be more productive, but then it also opens it up for uh, for nefarious uh, things to come in. So it's kind of a, a catch twenty two for us.
1: And then uh, for me, I, unfortunately we do um, at my current bank and then at the credit union I was at before we had local admin rights for everybody. It was never something I was very comfortable with uh, just because it opens up so many more gates for them to get in the, the computer. But at the same time, uh, sometimes we have to run software that absolutely requires it. Uh, not, we can't always uh, do backdoors with it like uh, giving specific rights to folders on the computer and right now, with me being a one-man IT shop at the bank, I just can't keep up with everybody at once. Right. And uh, my service providers say, all right, you got to have it. It's like, I don't
0: like it, but I got to do it. And that's tough. And, and it's creating labor for you to not have them as local admins as well, right? Because sometimes you do have some, they download something they need and it can't run. And then you basically have to reverse engineer to figure out how they can get run
1: this software without being a local admin. Yeah, it takes some time to try to figure out what the proper permissions are to run without it. And some software, even when you do that, it still won't run properly. Right. Do you think it's kind of on the the OS developers to start figuring out the
0: software and apps to run in a separate space that allows the software functionality without having the user administrative privileges?
2: That would be amazing.
0: (laughs) That would be
2: such a, a help for for IT people.
0: It just seems like there should be a way to really segment that like yeah. geo, geo sector you know you run here mm-hmm.
1: you run here don't touch any of this other stuff yeah maybe some sandboxing would be good but i think the real focus should be on the software developers the companies that develop the software you know why do we have to have software nowadays that need admin credentials we really shouldn't do that i'm um, sure it's easy to program it and set it up that way but it's just opening us up for all kinds of trouble for more trouble i agree all right, let's go to a question from Larry G.
0: Uh, uh, he watched the show and he said, did the two of you implement whitelisting so you'd never get hit with crypto again? So uh, if you watched the uh, episode, they were talking about both of you were hit with some cryptoware. so what were some of the methods you took after that to try to prevent that from happening again?
1: Um, I haven't done any whitelisting. Uh, I tried to do that when we got hit at the credit union once. I tried to push that through, but that it just ended up causing more headaches. Uh, we had our core system wouldn't run cuz we tried to block the app data folder and it just wouldn't run properly so I had to turn it right back off again. I haven't been able to really use it since then. Mm-hmm. Chris, what do you have to deal with yeah, after? Yeah, we, uh, the, we the have we have whitelisting
2: on the firewall level uh, for specific domains that we know or trust it. Uh, our sister campuses and things like that are are whitelisted and then we also have two Cisco appliances now for uh, for email filtering that we can block any attachment, uh, specific subject lines, uh, users and things like that, that we know are, are, have come in in the past that have been uh, trouble for us. So
1: yeah, I think that's the way to go is doing the
0: firewall yeah. level. <laughs> so kind of leading into that, uh, Dennis Kelly asked, so after a second infection, what is that conversation like with that employee supervisor? Um,
1: I mean, when I talked to my, my boss, who's the CFO, I just said, you know, we got hit just a couple months ago. You know, this is not right. You know, we need to. The employees need to take uh, or need to have more accountability on what's go, on what they're doing. Um, and since then, we haven't had any trouble. Then you've been good mm-hmm. so, so far. Strong arm them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when uh, the second one happened, I as soon as I found out whose it was, and I found that out by checking the security permissions of the folders, because it usually what it does is the the person who was infected with it originally, they just start taking ownership of everything, so they can the virus can encrypt it. As soon as I found that out, I went to his office and just janked the computer from him. I said, you got infected. You infected the network. You're gonna be offline for a while. Hashtag you infected the network. Yep.
0: Public shaming. Yep. What about hiring an employee that does nothing but stand behind these users with a rolling pin and a really menacing look on their face?
2: I think you'd be perfect for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That could be- Forget that, I'd rather do it myself. All right, so uh, let's jump to another question here from Rogue Packet. Uh, what is the preference of baseline a machine versus attempt to clean on VIP computers? So it's it's interesting. I've told a story in the past of how I've downloaded series on for some of our past CEOs at other companies. Just like I, I need this whole season. Do they get special privilege?
2: Uh, yeah unfortunately.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's just the way of life. I mean, when it comes to the sea levels, you just have to make it work and you have to make it work right then and there. And while I would prefer to just wipe and start over, um, usually because of the complexity, because they want all these special things set up a certain way. It's just like, all right, I'm just going to clean it, be done with it so I can get out of his, out of their, um, point of view and just get back to my work. Get back to your job.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. So, uh, here's a good one from Stickman double zero, uh, what are some of your go-to malware removal tools? We probably have them all on a USB stick or
1: portable drive somehow. What are your, some of your go-to tools? Mine usually, the first one is Malwarebytes.
2: Yeah, mine too. We have a, we liked it so much that we actually got the corporate uh, license for it. And so it monitors, uh, but it, it does a really good job for, for your everyday malware and spam type stuff. Yeah, I mean,
1: usually what I do is, is once I see an infection, I throw Malwarebytes on there real quick run it through and I really haven't seen a time where it hasn't done a pretty good job cleaning up. I dismiss uh, that you can't schedule anymore on the free version. Yeah. I mean, they do very well. Yes. Uh, I was
0: always a big fan of hijack this, oh,
1: that's a good you, one. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was, it was always very aggressive.
0: It's not a tool that you feel like you can let a user just download right. and run this, You kind of, especially for browser hijacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seemed like that one really did something because. You know, software is going to be good. It's just like if you use this wrong, this computer is broken. Yeah. And you're like, okay, that's what I need because we're already in the fire. Right. We're already in the fire. We're already fighting. Mm-hmm. So, and I think Trend may have bought them. I remember using it when it was an independent tool, and it, yeah. was, it was really aggressive. But sometimes you got to get aggressive. Got to mm-hmm. slay some dragons. Right. All right. Let's go to a question from Steve Lee. Two. Uh, how many layers of spam protection do you use, in, including outside, inside? And right there on the local PC.
2: Um, we have spam filtering, like I said, on the firewall level. And uh, we also have it on the, the PC level. Um, we kind of have it on the exchange level, uh, but that's more of um, known uh, things. So it's like past tense stuff. So for zero day stuff, we try to keep up to date on the firewall level at least.
0: Right. The zero day, you just have no idea what you're getting into yeah, until right. you're in it. Mm-hmm. You know, you walk in the room and you hear the door slam behind you and it's already too late, you're already in a fight.
2: Yeah. Right. The, the 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 good part of that is that a lot of the stuff that we see, it's basically the same as a previous one, but just a little different, uh, signature wise. And so it's, you know. It's the ones that pop up that are completely new right? are the ones that give us the headache, like crypto a few years ago and things like that.
0: When it was brand new. Yeah. Yeah, that was always scary. And you, you
1: need some compounding for sure, but you have to do that right. right? Yeah, you, you I mean, you definitely more. have to have layers. You can't do – there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all solution anymore because it's constantly changing. Even um, you have polymorphous uh, malware now. I mean, it's it can be different on every single machine, so you have to have the layers to try to keep up. And then i mean even the u.s postal service has sorting
0: centers mm-hmm. right before yeah. the mail actually gets shipped mm-hmm. kind of look at it like that before it even hits anything that yeah.
1: has to do with you if you can have some way to just start chipping away at it before it yeah. even gets there yeah that yeah is and diff- then kind of uh, for me for the layers uh kind of trying to get to right now we have one because we have host exchange and that comes with some pretty good filtering and then i'm working on trying to get a uh, outlook plugin with Sophos Spam. So that way when the spam does come through my users can just right click report it and kind of be done with it it would be a lot easier for them right i mean stuff slips through i mean mm-hmm. we're talking about it on the show with todd
0: i mean sometimes the, yeah. the best solutions will still let something slip through yeah. so
2: and we have filtering enabled on exchange that uh if an email comes in uh from an outside domain to different users on different domains uh it's the, the subject is flagged possible spam to kind of give them more of a heads up that, you know, this may be legit, but you may want to, like, look hard at it right. uh, before you click on anything.
0: That would be good. Just mm-hmm. like, and that, that will help them keep yeah. vigilant. And I think yeah. you have to come up with a way to make sure they're not alert blindness, which we were talking right. about on the show. Just yeah. something that actually jumps out of like, well, maybe I should double check this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah definitely good stuff so we're gonna stick on the uh the layers here for a question from kdm are overlapping av and any malware solutions helpful and if so what's the
1: best combo um i don't think so um you my in my experience usually if you try to get more than one av on a computer it start they start fighting each other that's exactly what um, happens i mean microsoft security essentials won't but then it's not really that good to begin with even microsoft said it's not that great um, but i've I've run, for example, Avast and Malwarebytes on my personal computer at home and they work just fine together. There's no fighting. I think if if they're, and they're kind of different, the Mm -hmm. whole, what is, what are you looking for?
0: I mean, what signatures are you looking for behavior? Mm -hmm. The ones that look for behavior get, that's when it gets dangerous that they're gonna start because obviously a lot of these anti-malware solutions are acting weird on your computer because yes. they're checking stuff. So right. it's, a, it's a very thin line.
2: Yeah, we have we have three points of protection on each machine. Uh, we have endpoint for the big stuff. And then we have the corporate license for malware bytes for the daily you know, cookies and spam like that, browser stuff. And then we have a program called Identity Finder that uh, scans the machine. And if it finds any uh, saved passwords, anything that it thinks is a social security number, things like that, it uh, it kind of pops up on the screen to let the user know that hey, you have your bank password saved, and a cookie on your computer, and things like that. So that kind of builds into the awareness for the user. Uh, oh yeah, to let them know.
1: I mean, there's even other options that um, even we've looked in at the bank. Something called uh, Trusteer. Uh, I know Bank of America uses it. It's a program that uh, anybody can install in their browser. It's just like a little plug-in. And it's supposed to detect if you're going to a legitimate site or not, if somebody's trying to hijack the session or they're trying to spoof the domain or whatnot.
0: Okay. Uh, So we're going to stick in that realm right here because, you know, knowledge is power, just like we learned on Schoolhouse Rock. So Mm -hmm. Julie IT Hero says, end-user knowledge is ultimately the best practice. I send a weekly email out alerting every one of the latest hacks. However, this isn't always reliable. What tools can we use to teach our end users of scary emails and what to watch for?
2: We have, we have online training uh, that's required for all new users, and they have to repeat it every year. And so we update that, and we tend to have uh, issues that have popped up in the past that have hurt us, and we tend to bring that up a lot in the training and be like, You know, this user clicked on this link and it ended up being this virus and it spread and and infected 30 computers and those people were down for days. Uh, They lost a lot of information. So it's kind of like this this horror stories like, you know, relate to them that a 30 second part thing on your part can lead to dozens of people and productivity stopping. And so basically it's just horror stories like scare them into realizing that they need to think before they click.
0: Fear is a powerful ally. Yes. Mm-hmm. The emperor told us this and he was correct. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um,
2: for me, we have uh, regular
1: online courses. It not only covers IT, but it covers kind of all of the banking stuff. So there's a few about security on there. Um, I also do a mandatory yearly training with all my users. I go over our information security policy, let them know what's in there, what they need, what, how it concerns them, what to look out for. You know, I talk about horror stories that we've had. Um, when I did it last year after the first infection we had, I told them, I mean, this, it was down. We were down for, your files were inaccessible for over a day. And that's how it affects the business. Everybody was down with that. Um, And then I also send out regular emails. When I get reports of spam, I'll take a screenshot, send it out to everybody and say, here's what's happening. This is what the email that you might be getting. Don't click on it. Don't Don't click anything. I think IT is starting to need PR,
0: right? It sounds mm-hmm. like we're having to send out a lot of emails. Yeah. We, need, we need some regular bloggers, mm-hmm. or maybe we can make some educational videos like Schoolhouse Rock, or like yeah. how they teach us about, it, you know, how the Constitution works, or some of those videos on, oh, you're going through puberty now. So just like make it really easily to easy to, di- easy to mm-hmm. digest for our users. Yeah, yeah and,
2: uh, and another tool is kind of a shout out to SpiceWorks is that uh, in the inventory tool, you can flag programs to send you an alert. And so we look at that, and if we see an influx of, of things like a new weather bug or, or some kind of browser add-in, then we get notified of that, and and we can use that as information and kind of like talk to the users and be like, if you need to know the weather, you know, go to kview.com or something. You don't need to install an app to know the weather. You're at, you are can look out the window and see the weather. Right. <laughs> so you don't really <laughs> need weather that. bug installed. <laughs> <laughs> and so we can use that to see kind of what's trending in our environment and, and kind of teach off of that
1: yeah another bad one is a coupon printer yeah oh that's bad yeah it's like oh i'm gonna save 30 cents okay now you're costing me in like five (laughs) minutes of my time to remove it (laughs) yeah there there the money is lost so
0: all right let's jump to uh, another question from x plumber x what do you feel is the greatest attack vector email the internet or files from an infected thumb drive or usb drive etc what do you guys think for me
2: it's email it's the it's, still email. Yeah, that's the the end user is still the weakest link in the the security chain.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I have to say the same. I haven't heard too many uh, attack stories from USB in a while. I think that tends to be more towards public sector or more high interest targets. Um, yeah, email is always going to be the big one because of spam. Internet sometimes, usually that's with um, the advertising, advertising hijacking right. or whatnot. So, you guys haven't had a lot of Google drive-bys
0: as far as I always tell them, it's just like if it's not like in the first two searches, if you're already 3 O's in, you're in the bad part of town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You start looking around, you gotta, you know, roll them up.
2: You're, yep. You shouldn't be here. You're probably gonna get something funky. Yeah, and we have things in place that check certs and stuff. So, if a website is, you can kind of tell if it's registered to a weird domain or something other than what it's saying up front, then it's blocked and things like that. So, web's not, I mean, out of a five infections, maybe one's web, but, but four of them are going to be email. Yeah.
0: Have you guys dealt with any infections that basically come into your network from a mobile device as far as like, you know, because they can be used as a storage device and you plug it in. Yeah. I haven't seen any yet, but it just seems like that's ripe for the picking. Like you said, mm-hmm. you just, how about you install, you know, an app mm-hmm. that's going to load something on that phone and then it's going to go out through the phone on whatever network you're connected. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's ripe for the picking.
1: Yeah, I th- think I've seen one or two stories about that, but it's really not that big right now. But as you said, it's probably going to be a matter of time before they start looking into that. It's just going to be tricky trying to get something that'll work on Android or iPhone and then will work seamlessly on a computer. That'll be the tricky part.
0: Yeah, because there's just so many mix of vendors now. You're different flavors, mm-hmm. different signatures to look for. It could get tri- very tricky.
2: Yeah, and we, uh, we've we seen a, a, a small t- uptick in in mobile stuff. Um, we have a lot of BYOD devices on our network cell phones tablets laptops and things like that that um when it something's on pops up on wireless uh we can see it and then we cut their access and if we can't figure out what the device is from the the mac or the name or whatever if when their access is cut they're going to call the help desk and be like i can't get on wireless that's the way to do it and we we can be like if it's their personal device, we're not allowed to do anything with it. We can be like, well, you have a virus on your, your mm-hmm. iPhone or whatever. You need to take care of that before you can get back on the network.
0: It goes into some kind of outbreak mode, which mm-hmm. would be good if you actually physically had a dome drop over them <laughs> yeah. and, let, uh, <laughs> and then an awesome. alarm going off. Almost like the, uh, the dome of silence. In, <laughs> That's um, right. This would be the dome of shame. Fair. Yeah, the dome of shame. <laughs> yeah. What oh, was it in uh,
1: Get Smart? Get Smart.
2: That was Get Smart. It, yeah, yep.
0: that was the the dome of silence. That wasn't so silent.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be a big issue now because like BYOD is a big thing and and people are wanting to bring mm-hmm. their oh, own yeah. devices and yep.
0: I, all bets are off at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I I compare it to the original Dawn of
1: the Dead. You know, mm-hmm. you already let one zombie in the mall and it's kind of yeah. ruined. Yep. So I so. think we're kind of getting better at that because Google's recently done the the work set up. Uh, BlackBerry did that what last year or the year before I think. Yeah trying to split up the phone's uh, ecosystem so you have a personal side and a business side. That's where it has to go. Right. Yeah, I we agree. use
2: a, We use a program called AirWatch on uh, mobile devices, and it kind of partitions the phone, so your email and your uh, shared drive access and things like that are in a secure partition that we have control over. So we're not... Because the big thing, especially with executives, if you're trying to manage that device, is that that's their device. It's, they paid for it. They're paying for it. It's not a... a, a employee device and so us telling them that we need to manage that that's, that usually runs into a lot of friction
0: oh yeah 100% yeah so
2: with airwatch it partitions our stuff and so we can wipe remotely wipe that and and do th- and track things like that but it's only that partition so their stuff is separate and then we don't see any of that so it's kind of bridges that gap between our security and their uh, Peace of mind. That's right. You heard mm-hmm. it
0: here first. We do not care about your Candy Crush scores. No. We just want to erase yep. your email. Because or your threat. questionable pictures that you send <laughs> on Snapchat. <laughs> yes, we definitely don't want those either. All right, uh, let's go to another question here from TechCord. When you block via email and file server resources, how do you stop people from using cloud-hosted services such as Google Drive, Box, et cetera, and a flash drive to bypass
1: your security policies? Um, or do well, you guys do that at all? I don't right now, but flash drive is pretty easy because you can disable that through group policy. Um, right, yep. That's something that's come up on the Spiceworks community a few times now, especially in the active directory and group policies uh, webinars we've had. Um, so that one's pretty easy. Uh, as for Dropbox, that's more, you have to get management HR involved, I think, because people are gonna do it. That's shadow IT. Um, not everybody wants to deal with the IT department, so they wanna do their own thing. And then you just need the management and HR buy-in to say, if, if it's found, then something's gonna happen.
2: Right. Yeah, it's the same. We uh we're a state entity and um we have policies in place that are based on the state level. Like legislature passed things for us to follow and uh we, we they know that if they break those rules that they're basically breaking the law. And if something gets compromised because they ignored a policy then there could be prosecution and, and loss of job from that so
1: yeah that's one nice thing about being in a regulated um, industry is even though it's more red tape for us it comes down to we can say to users this is the law you if you want to break it then you're going to have to answer for it for you know past the company. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, guys,
0: we're going to do two more questions here. Okay. Uh, this one's from uh, Ben Sedwick. Uh, what defense do you have against zero-day vulnerabilities?
2: There is no defense.
0: Zero defense against yeah, zero-day.
2: Zero uh, that's that's what it's, that's the
1: definition <laughs> of the word is there's zero days of research in it, so how can you protect against that? Um, I know FireEye tries to talk quite a bit about how they can protect against that. Um, I've kind of looked in their technology a bit, and it seems pretty good uh, for helping with zero-day. They do a lot of behavioral monitoring, Um, And then if you have a company in the back end, if necessary to do even further, it can it can help. But there's definitely a really huge cost to it.
0: Right. And once something,
1: you know, once they like the behavior, Mm
0: -hmm. you're going to learn that behavior and that behavior is going to be learned. And then you're going to find a way around that.
2: That's that's the future of it, I think. Um, And you're starting to see it more and more. Uh, Last year at Spice World, there was a couple of vendors and that their big selling point was that they do behavior analysis so they can kind of predict zero day type. Is- yeah. Definitions and... are getting
1: old school now. but so, yeah. I mean, it is very... definitely need to be adaptable.
2: Yeah. That's the future of, uh, of it. I think I think is behavior analysis
1: for, for sure. But yeah, kind of going on fire real quick. Um, the bank, uh, I work at now, we looked at a vendor, a local vendor that had something like that they're marketing and to kind of give you an idea of the price point, they were offering their services for $9,500 a month. Wow. So it's, it's not cheap, but I've been hearing good things about if you can get it. All right, yeah, it might be worth it.
0: All right, last question here from uh, Josh L87. What is the best practice for keep keeping third-party apps like Adobe updated and secure for around 70 PCs? SCCM is too expensive for our environment. What do you guys think?
2: We use SCM uh, and WSUS to a point uh, that might be a, a easier way for smaller without the budget is uh, is to do an update server uh, where you're controlling the updates and patches and stuff, and so you can test them. Um, we have the internal IT group. We, we're the basically the guinea pigs for the whole system. Um, we get the new patches when they come out.
1: So it's worth it for you.
2: Yeah. Okay. And, and if something breaks on us, then we know we can fix it or whatever before we roll it out to the general population. So.
1: Yeah, I'd also do WSUS. It's it's a Windows product. It does it what it does well. Um, there's no reason not to use it for the Windows side of it. And then for third-party, I use Ninite, night um, And third-party is actually a really good question because that's something that we've been dinged on a couple times from examiners is we struggle still with third-party updates. It's really tough um, because some of them, Adobe's is known for a few times with their updates, it breaks the system. Because um, my CEO absolutely hates getting those alerts. Um, every time he sees it, I get the call into his office with my boss. It's like, why am I seeing this again? Because it breaks it sometimes. There's no way to help it. But we use the Ninite Pro and i can do it in the back end and it definitely helps yeah the the more quiet it is the better yeah exactly
0: all right so great stuff guys this Mm -hmm. is a great control Alt tech plus podcast we only had time for a final letter on the show so now i'm going to give you a chance for your final words on you downloaded what
2: education that's the big one um the weakest link in the chain is the end user and you have to think like an end user um so it's just education, 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 like make sure that they are, they're aware of what can happen and and steps to do to kind of protect themselves a little bit, because no matter how much you have in place, how much money you throw at a problem, if that one user circumvents that, then it brings your whole network down.
1: And then for me, it's going to be education, too, but on a different side of for, for the IT pros for us is... We need to keep up with the news so we know what the current threats are. Um, I listen to podcasts constantly. I browse Spiceworks constantly. A lot of my day, every day, is learning. Um, I'm just trying to keep up, see what everybody's doing, what the new attack vectors are. Even the research ones, where it's just all proof of concept, I'm still keeping up to date because... It's only a matter of time before somebody does it, and I want to be ahead of the game as much as I can instead of being behind the eight ball.
0: Right, so it's stay vigilant. Yes. We're going to stay with stay vigilant. All right, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Jimmy T and Chris DeBay for joining us today. This was a great Control-Alt Tech Plus podcast, so don't forget to follow us in the community in the spiceworks community look for the control tech page that's where you can find past episodes like the one we just recorded and you can also follow subscribe to our youtube page at spiceworks and you get some of our videos some of the clips Uh, we're trying to spread the love spread the knowledge so that's it for me i'm jeff gretler and don't forget to control all tech yourself before you wreck yourself plus